welcome to Nice Jewish Fangirls, presented by JewishCoffeeHouse.com. Nice Jewish Fangirls is a podcast where three Orthodox women discuss all of the wonderful geeky things that we are obsessed with. My name is Michal Schick, and I'm your host, and I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, S.M. Rosenberg. Hello. And Tamar Herman. Hi. So today we are literally recording in between sessions of ice dancing. Um, so that should... We have 15 minutes. We Connor. can do this. <laughs> no, we're going to do this for the full time, but yes. I'm going to uh, yes, possibly is... be watching in the background. That is all, <laughs> partly where our minds are for sure. Um, at least it's the least exciting event, right? Like, oh, well, it's so boring. I love it. I love figure skating and I love Paris skating. But ice dancing is just, like, so much less of a competition than the pairs skating. Like, I don't really get why we need to have two of them. It's pretty much saying you are much better than these ones, essentially for the people who can't make it into pairs skating and they're not good enough to do all these things. And it's just kind of, why? Why do we need this? We all know you guys are lesser than them. And, like, it's pretty. But, but like, if you're not going to do anything other than a freaking twizzle and a half, I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know how to count what's a twizzle. They're like, oh, here come the twizzles. And I know they do three of them at once, but like, do they need to do three at once? I'm really confused about this, this competition, but I'm still watching it because it's pretty. It's, it's like, I mean, I don't know. It's one of those sports where it's like, clearly there is high level technical stuff going on here, but it is completely invisible to my eyes. I, I cannot. Oh. Well, I mean, it's like, last like day. diving. No, but diving, they look like they're doing something. <laughs> Wait, uh, Michal, did you watch last night's pairs? Yes, that was even more boring than this one. So that was the, the first, that was the short program, and that was the one where the French team, like, her dress snapped, right? Yes. So we didn't see that her dress snapped, and we were like, why are they getting such good scores? They're not good. They're really awkward. What is going on here? This is so uncomfortable. Why did they just beat the pe- teams we liked? We don't understand what's happening. And then we woke up this morning, and we're like, oh, her dress broke, and all the awkwardness was him trying to cover that up. It's so and funny. Like, it's so Well, funny. like, they were still, even though he was, like, moving his hand in weird ways, like, still technically they did well. I don't get that. It didn't yeah. look good. Yeah, I mean, I give them props. I I, I went to bed because I was like, all right, fine, I watched enough of this. I don't need to watch a French couple. (laughs) (laughs) Can I, like, can I, I was going to, like, have an actual obsession, but I feel like this was my obsession, but it's not really. It's uh, totally (laughs) up to you. Um, But actually, I'm going to step in and do an obsession first because it's on my nails and I have to talk about it. Um, I'm sorry for anyone, uh, getting into our current obsessions now, I'm sorry for anyone who doesn't care about nail polish, but... Um, I am wearing the Fun Lacquer 4th Anniversary Collection in Incredible, um, and I can't even tell you how pretty this nail polish is. Um, it is a magnetic, multi-chrome, uh, nail polish, which means that it shifts colors in the light, but also that it has magnetic particles in it that you activate with a magnet, so each pattern is different, and it changes in like different uh, it's it's so gorgeous it's so gorgeous like I spent a ridiculous amount of money on this collection of nail polish and I do not regret it Ooh, I'm looking also, at your nails right now this is very cool yeah it's really hard to put on because um it's like a thin polish because it's it's multi-chrome so it's not that pigment pigmented and then every time you put it on you have to apply the magnet in the same spot so it's kind of like a, a big to do but it is so pretty, and I just can't stop staring at my nails. And they've been really short for a while, so <laughs> this is the first time I put on nail polish in a little while, and I'm so happy. All right, 
That is my obsession. Um, Tamar, how about you? Uh, so mine was going to be Oathbringer by Brandon Sanderson, but I haven't actually finished it yet. So I'm going to switch to something else that I got today in the mail. That's really exciting. If you're not part of the Facebook group that Michal runs, Olaf Orthodox Ladies Night in Fandom, you might not know that I run a like gift exchange called uh, Mystery Maccabee for Hanukkah and Mystery Masquerade for Perm. And people are going to join the group and I'm going to be so annoyed because I'm already like at my wit's end. But this one is actually running quite well. Um, this is like the best run one. And I learned how to like do mail merges and I'm really proud of myself. But anyway, uh, everybody was posting all these really cool pictures of what they were getting in the gift exchange. And I was kind of sad because I wasn't getting mine. And then I get home today and there is a Harry Potter purse in the mail for me that looks like a little like like suitcase with like the Hogwarts logo on it and nine and three quarter logo on it. And I don't like like overtly fan stuff, but this is just so subtle. I was so excited and I'm just like, I have a purse. And there was also a doctor who necklace, but I'm really excited about the purse. So now I'm obsessed <laughs> with my Harry Potter purse and I'm going to wear it all day tomorrow, except I probably need to carry my laptop with me. So I'll really have to carry my big purse, but, but I'll still wear it. <laughs> I'm so excited. That is awesome. That is that sounds amazing. Please send me a picture because I want to see it. Um, I'm gonna post on Instagram. I'll put on my story on Instagram. And as M, what is your current obsession? Um, so my obsession, I guess, is a bit darker than both of yours because, um, the book that I am currently reading is uh, "The Girl Who Played with Fire" by I don't know how to pronounce his first name. Stig Larsson. Um, oh, it, he's hate it. I assume he's Swedish. Yes. Um. So I read The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, and I enjoyed that, and now I'm reading the sequel, which is The Girl Who Played with Fire, and I have the third one already, This is these were both sent to me for my birthday, from a friend Ron, and so they're very, they're very dark, and they're very uh, intense, and they deal with um, a lot of sexual violence, and sex trafficking and I really appreciate you know that this was clearly you know this was a man who felt very you know the the author is clearly a man who felt very passionately about these particular issues and he goes into them and like he starts off I remember the first book he started off like each section with you know some like really jaw-dropping statistics about you know violence against women and its prevalence in Sweden um, and around the world and, you know, it was just like, it was something, you know, that clearly he, you know, cares deeply about and he wanted to, you know, portray um, the impact that this has on so many people's lives. Um, and, yeah, and uh, this one, um, I'm getting um, about halfway through. It's like 700 pages long. Um, it goes fairly quickly once you uh, get into it. And it's... It's different from the first one in that, like, it takes a lot longer to figure out, you know, like, what exactly is the the mystery that's going to be happening. If you didn't read the back, and I deliberately don't read the backs of books so that I don't get any spoilers. So um, it takes a little while to figure that out. But I find it, you know, I find it really um, fascinating from a character perspective a lot of the time. Because um, his famous uh, main main character Elizabeth Salander is a really really interesting and compelling character to me um 
because he gets inside her head so well and like you really you know you feel like you have a grasp of why she does the things she does um and you root for her even though i know that like in real life you know this kind of person would just be incredibly aggravating and i would want nothing to do with them but like you you feel for her and you get where she's coming from and you respect her um her skills and her process and you know and her point of view on things um and then they have you know has a a good number of other characters who serve as good foils for her behavior and you know who behave in much more you know normal and conventional and socialized ways um but she is you know just she's her hyper focused and you know views a lot of things in very black and white terms and like certain things bother her and certain other things just don't register for her to, for her at all um but she's got this like you know very deeply felt moral compass that you you know you feel like you know you can you know trust her you know to be doing mm-hmm. a right thing even if it's not you know what you know even if it's not technically legal or you know the you know the right thing in all the conventional senses but you know um yeah yeah so i just i really enjoy it i I enjoy it i've never read uh any of steve larson's stuff but have have you read tamar yeah i've i read it uh while i was still in college and and um i think he wrote them because he had like been involved in a rape case where he was a witness and he didn't come forward or something and it's and it like came out of his guilt so I felt really weird reading the books after I found that out and I had to stop reading the series because I was really uncomfortable with that and he like I don't know it's there's like a lot going on there it's very weird to me I mean the reasons people write you know their various books can come from all different kinds of places and I can definitely believe that that is you know where a motivation to write this sort of thing would come from. Um, yeah, so I just I checked. And, don't and think like, it's a worthwhile thing that was written. But, um, yeah, I, I agree, but I also felt like it was very, um, I don't know, I don't, once I found that out, I felt like it was like an ap- apologetic on his part. And I don't, I don't I, know. I don't really need, I don't really need a book about that action would have been better i think the book kind of misses the point of what he maybe had been going for and i find them really really hard to read so I, like i said i had to stop reading them but i think i got i got like partially through the third one and then her there was all this stuff that i'm not going to say because i don't want to spoil it for you but yeah, yeah. Um, the first one was quite good i didn't really think the series should have necessarily continued anyway mm-hmm. definitely seems like uh sensitive material <laughs> I, it's oh, like, it's definitely yeah, sensitive material, you know, sensitive. trigger warning everywhere. Yeah. I do appreciate that he, you know, refers to, like, you know, he doesn't shy away from the fact that, like, you know, various different sexual assaults, he calls them rapes, you know? Like, he, you know, is very explicit in ways that, like, a lot of, I find that a lot of writers aren't, you know? Like, they'll, you know, they'll fudge a little bit, you know, in terms of their language, but, like, it's just, like, referred to straight up as you know that a particular act was rape and he doesn't like he doesn't fuss around with that um so uh from that from that cheerful topic (laughs) (laughs) i did warn you um we're gonna talk our our main subject for today is going to be 
What? Can I interrupt? Yes. Can I can I introduce the next subject because something funny just happened? Absolutely. So, as we're recording this, I may or may not have Ice Dancing up on my computer screen muted and watching while we're doing it, but it's a middle of a 15 break, minute break, so don't worry. But as I, as you started saying in the introduction, the Black Panther ad just came on. <laughs> and I was just like, oh my gosh, that's exactly what we're about to talk about. So, surprise, we're talking about Black Panther, the best movie <laughs> ever in nice. existence. Um, yeah, so uh, we've seen Black Panther, um, <laughs> which is the latest. Not enough times. We have yeah. not seen Black Panther enough times. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's the latest Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, installment, and um, importantly, the last one that's coming out before uh, Infinity War Part 1, which is, which is cool. Um, that is coming in May. But we've all seen it, and I know that, like, I... I was really excited for it, but also like trying to contain that because I, I, I'd heard both really good things and then one or two people be like, way overrated, not good, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, oh God, what am I going to feel? Um, but uh, yeah, so we're going we're gonna to share our reviews. And uh, SM, do you want to get us started? You saw it today, so. I saw it today. It is very fresh. Um... From your enthusiasm of wanting to see it again and again, I'm not sure that, like, it, you know, hit the same way that it hit you guys. Um, I definitely think it was, you know, it was a good movie. It's not one that I feel immediately compelled, you know, to see again. Um, but I, you know, I did enjoy it and I found maybe because, you know, I found that there was a lot of food for thought that it doesn't feel like the kind of movie that I want to see over and over again, because, you know, I just, I, you know, it's the kind of movie that I kind of want to, you know, sit and think about and, you know, discuss rather than, you know, see it again. Um, unlike, you know, Thor Ragnarok didn't really have, you know, those kinds of ideas, you know, it was just fun. And like, as soon as you left, you kind of wanted to see it again because it was so fun. Um, Black Panther is not that kind of a fun movie that it has um a lot more drama and you know and stuff going on and ideas that it is exploring and i really appreciated that um i felt like it started off a bit slow and i was worried that i wasn't going to like it because it's just it starts off um with a lot of you know, there's there's all this ritual combat and there's this character who just comes in from like some rival tribe and you don't really know who he is. And it's just kind of like, you know, two big buff guys fighting each other in front of a crowd. And it's just like and you don't really have that much investment in either one. And I was like, I really hope that, you know, it gets better than this. <laughs> and then I really, really appreciated that 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 was what that was setting up because later on in the movie, the ritual combat comes, you know, comes back and, you know, it has a whole new kinds of significance. Um, and then that character who had originally challenged him in ritual combat comes back in a totally different context. And you have a, you know, much greater appreciation for his character that you wouldn't have had if you hadn't, you know, seen him earlier. Um, and I think that, it, you know, it all works together really well as a unit. I'm not sure, you know, what could have been done differently, you know, in the beginning to, you know, kind of smooth things, you know, over and make it, you know, more compelling right from the start. Um, but it definitely, you know, it comes full circle and it um, and I really enjoyed that they made use of the elements that they set up. Um, and like, you know, even 
him going back, you know, into his, you know, ancestor realm that he goes in earlier. And I was just like kind of meh about the first time he goes into the ancestor realm um, because I had seen Civil War once a while ago and I didn't really like it very much. So I didn't really, you know, remember much and I didn't have so much investment in this father son relationship, you know, but it, and then he goes back to the ancestor realm later in the movie when he's found out some more information about his father. And it's a much more compelling scene at that point, you know, so I felt like, you know, it starts off on a, you know, a, a lower tier and it gradually, you know, spirals upward, you know, so you get to the same spot, you know, but from a higher plane and from a different perspective. Um, and I, I definitely appreciated that. And I have a lot more thoughts about, the specific, you know, ideologies, um, of, you know, what is your responsibility, you know, toward others, you know, and how do you, you know, how do you use your privilege, you know, and like, you look after your own, we'll get into the themes and yeah. And so that's a totally different, you know, thing. And I don't want to go into, into that right now. Um, I figure we'll get into that later in the discussion. Yeah. Um, as, uh, Tamar, how about you? So I had, uh, shockingly, yes, I'm going to have different opinions on something. What? Uh, <laughs> this is the first and time that's happened in I, this episode. <laughs> I walked out, like, so in love with it. I, I, I've taken a few more days. I saw it with Michal, and I don't know if my expression of that love came out so much on the spot. But I really, um, for a lot of reasons, like, I... I liked it anthropologically that like obviously Wakanda's fake and everything about it is just taken from other cultures. So to like create a, a what if kind of country. And, but I really liked that everything obviously isn't authentic, but it felt like it could be to some degree. I mean, like uh, MCU stuff aside, but like the, the culture that like it could exist. And these are things that have existed. And just because they're not all existing together, doesn't mean that like, they're not something that we should, know about in a way um i think the characterizations some of them were a little shallow but the rest of them i really liked um i just i don't know i think that the movie did a lot i i was comparing it to someone today about like what wonder woman did for sexism uh black panther started for racism and in, especially in the superhero world and like i say started because like at the end of the day as like as good as one-liners are, like, stop scaring me, colonizer, things like that, like, as long as, like, as jarring as they are and overt as they are to discuss things like colonialism and racism, um, Wonder Woman's, like, you know, like, the scenes where she's, like, talking about, like, you don't need a guy for sex or anything. Like, we, we when we saw the movie, we were like, that's so radical, but in retrospect, we're just like, oh, is it really? Like, maybe we should be discussing these things more. So I felt like Black Panther kind of did that. Like, it I have seen so many conversations on social media and just in person over the past few days of people talking about like certain elements of racism in this country and privilege in this country that like we never ever talk about. And I think that's a great thing that the movie's done. Um, and, and it was just an enjoyable movie at, at the end of the day. Like, I think like if you went into this movie looking for a political message, you definitely could find it. And if you're someone who didn't agree with that messaging, then like you would come out and hate it. I am obviously very liberal, so I loved it. But like, if I was someone from across the world and didn't really get any of the overtones, I probably would still enjoy it because it was it was like fast paced at times and slow enough that there was actually some like dialogue that was interesting instead of just people beating each other up the whole time. Um, but yeah, I, I think it presented a lot of things that I really liked. There were very few things that I didn't like, 
probably the only thing that I really didn't like was the ending, but I'm not sure if we're going to go all out on spoilers, so I'm not going to say anything. And I really, really liked that it was women protecting women and women protecting men and men kind of being the damsels in distress who get each other into trouble all the time. <laughs> it was yeah. great. Yeah, I, I think the gender roles were definitely part of my, one of my favorite parts of, of the story overall. And, you know, I, I, I do sort of agree with SM in terms of like, I was, I, w- I was kind of wondering where it was going um, in the first, I don't know, third of the movie. Like, I was still enjoying it, and it was, it's funny, and we have Shuri, um, who is, who is Black Panther's sister, and she's Letitia Wright, best person. I, I I love her so much. I can't even. She is the Disney. Yeah, my baby brother. My baby sure. brother says he's she's his favorite character. Oh yes, no, she is the best, and I wish she could meet Fitzsimmons from Agents of Shield because they would have a lot to talk about, and she would have yes. a lot to teach them. Um, oh, and Cisco from the Flash. Yeah, they would bond. <laughs> um, toe cross the streams, SM. Um, but yeah, no, I I I will admit that like before they. There's there's definitely a, a turning point in the middle of the movie uh, where things change very begin to change very rapidly and at that point I was like oh my goodness like holding onto the edge of my seat um, and but I was thinking about it after and I was like yeah I think the beginning was a little slow but it sets up everything as as very deliberately and very intentionally and it kind of the first third of the movie acts as very kind of important mirror for the rest of the movie and so I kind of like came out and was like I see the flaw but I also appreciate the art behind the flaw so yeah it's interesting to me that you think of it as flaw because I think of it as like a a slow using that word loosely honestly like it was it it needed to do that because otherwise it would have felt so fast and so like uh why is this happening I mean to be to be fair part of it came down to uh, the MCU pretty much always having movies nowadays with two villains because people can't focus on anything. Um, but but I was reading, are, are we going to discuss spoilers that in depth or just like general? Um, we could make like a spoiler wall here and say. I mean, I assume if you're here. watching, I assume if you're, well, I won't say anything too spoilery, but um, we are talking about things in relatively not roundabout ways. But um, somebody was somebody was talking. I was reading a was it a review or was I talking to someone? I don't remember anymore. But pretty much that the first half of the movie is like an over, um, like answer to colonialism, and that's why Claw is the villain in that part of it. And then the second half of the movie, where Killmonger is the villain, um, you have like all the issues that like the black community is now dealing with in America or just around the world. So you kind of have, like, the past is the first half of the movie. And, like, and that's when, like, T'Challa's, like, the past, the sins of the fathers, essentially, like, affect the second half of the movie. So, like, it was a slow burn, but it was setting all the background for the second half. So once, like, I started thinking of it that way, I was like, oh, like, that's pretty cool. Um, Yeah, I mean, mean, that's a really cool way of thinking of it, for sure. Yeah. um, Though I didn't consider... um, Killmonger to be the second villain like I considered him to be the villain from the start and like he was clearly just using Claw like um yeah and like he was he was just like you know kind of a patsy you know I for mean, Killmonger the villain insofar as we're set up to believe that that he's the villain um and we know so little about Killmonger's character for the first half of the movie 
Yeah, um, I mean, we don't know his motives, but I felt like it was clear that he was using Claw. Oh, I mean, it was obvious that, like, they were both at it for something, but, like, the the way that the film was actually told was Claw it was the first half's villain, and then Killmonger comes and oversteps that. Yeah, I mean, There's like, it was definitely, like, the, our main characters are definitely not pursuing Killmonger at all in the first one, you know, so, like, he's not the... He's not their focus, and so therefore he's not the movie's focus. Right, but then, um, you know, I mean... until the second half. You also yeah. have to get into the question of, like, to what extent... Um, and, and by the way, I do want to say there's a lot of commentary, obviously, online and in podcasts um, by African-American commentators, and you should definitely go seek that out, because they have... Like, don't listen to only us. Like, yeah, no, for sure. from <laughs> They have way more insight into the importance of this movie than we do. We're obviously just approaching it from... Um, as as white Jewish Marvel fans, basically. <laughs> um, but, um, I mean, I, I, I found Kil... Uh, I keep wanting to say Kilgrave. Um, that is Jessica Jones. Um, Killmonger is... I mean, first of all, Michael B. Jordan is is amazingly magnetic in the role, and to me, it's he's so good. He's he's so good, and it's the first. Like, I feel bad comparing it to Loki because Loki, as much as I love him, and I do love him a lot, um, he's not an important villain. <laughs> like, he doesn't actually Loki represent has never anything for me as a villain. Okay, well, I I, I love yeah. him. I, I enjoy him thoroughly. Isn't um, he more of an anti, um, like a? Not an anti-villain, but a uh, an anti-hero. Yeah, yeah, an anti-hero. And I think I think Killmonger, to some degree, is that also. Yes, exactly. They kind of op- op- occupy that same space where, like, and Kill- Killmonger to a much bigger extent um, in terms of like actually having a reason to exist. Uh, but but you can see Loki where they're both Loki has a reason from. to exist. Why are you doubting Loki's reason to exist? I'm, I'm just I'm just saying, like like Loki <laughs> Loki for me is a wholly fictional entity yeah. you know who i can feel sympathy for even though he's a villain whereas killmonger is a villain who has made me like who has made me go like oh my goodness i have to think about so much you know whereas loki it's like yeah you had a tough childhood that sucks um but you know I, so so i mean for me like i think even if even if the rest of the movie had been awful which it is em- emphatically not killmonger would have kind of lifted the whole thing up and as it is he he stands as a as an amazing uh, like he kind of embodies what makes the movie so intense and beautiful uh and i think that everything else really does work in concert with that not against it um yeah um yeah i mean i think i agree with you on that point (laughs) but i think yeah Tomar, I read. Um, you... Sorry, yeah, Tamar, continue. That's fine. Just I was saying that I think Killmonger, like, you know, makes you think of that the different narratives that we have. Like, obviously, he and T'Challa are very oppositional, and um, like that's literally the whole point of the movie. Mm-hmm. But um, like at the end of it, like I didn't want a, what happened to happen at the end of the movie. Yeah, like, I wanted some other stuff to happen. Um, but I don't know. It's just, uh, yeah, I guess what happened made sense. But I, I I read recently that, um, yeah, um, I think, um, this was posted in Olaf, an interesting perspective, um, that was posted. Um, and it was an article about, 
well, some a, a critique of the movie saying that it presented, you know, it, it it that it didn't do justice to the issues because it presented, you know, the uh, it presented the violent young man extreme on one end, and that it presented the um, the ultimate in respectability politics on the other. So you have, you know, Michael B. Jordan's character, and you have Chadwick Boseman's king character black panther and that they you know that those are the opposing extremes and then you know then like so only the right kind of black man is allowed to win um and i didn't agree with that because um i felt like it wasn't it wasn't he this this uh this reviewer seemed to feel that um, Michael B. Jordan's character wasn't humanized enough, I guess. He, he said, like, he gets a, you know, that, like, Martin F Freeman's white guy is given a better turn than, um, than, Kill than Killmonger. And I didn't feel that way about Killmonger. I felt like Killmonger was given a lot of respect and that his points were respected and that the ending specifically, you know, respects the points that he was making with his ideology and that the movie very explicitly acknowledges that um, that mistakes were made and that what happened to him was wrong. Um, and then there's also the, uh, I don't know the name of the character, I think uh, maybe in the Mbuka. Yeah. So like, and he is kind of like, he adds a dimension to the movie because he is neither of those extremes. He is not, you know, He's not playing into, you know, the ultimate, you know, civilized black man stereotype that, like, the white people all want, you know, everyone to be. And he is not, you know, as as much of a loose cannon as, as Killmonger is. And he, you know, he gives a very, very physical and brutal performance at certain points. Um, but, you know, he's... he's he flips the stereotype on its head in a couple of, of, of places where he's like, um, you know, he's playing with the fact that he knows that the white guy perceives him as super scary and violent and brutal. And then he's, you know, then he makes, you know, he makes jokes at that at his expense by um, by showing by showing very clearly that, you know, that he's not that. Um, and. Yeah, so I feel like there, you know, there were a lot of dimensions in the movie and like obviously as, you know, it's a it's a movie and, you know, even if it's a 2-hour movie, there's only 2 hours, you know, and there's only so much development you can put into an action, you know, movie in 2 hours, but I felt like there were a lot of viewpoints that were incorporated and um a lot of viewpoints that were respected um and that the ending was um an attempt to you know at least synthesize the good from both ends of the spectrum um yeah i i think i commented on that same post and i was saying that black panther kind of is a movie that was built out of i think the like i could totally be wrong i'm not a black person in america but like the black experience under obama and so coming at a time when the president is not necessarily denouncing racism is very interesting. Um, and just like that, the way things ended for Killmonger, where, like you said, like, 
I think they did totally humanize him. And at the end, I didn't want a sad ending for him. I wanted, not for him, like, obviously he did terrible things. He literally was a killer. Um, but, like, there was there was that moment for that opportunity for redemption. And I think he was rede- redeemed at the end. The reason he decided not to essentially fight for his life anymore was a decision that he made. And I think that said a lot about, you know, like, just the decisions that people make in the face of hardships and the way that they deal with things. So I think like there was so much nuance, like every single, not every single one, some lines weren't so nuanced. Um, (laughs) But like, I think that there was a lot of nuance and like there, there's a lot to take away from this, like about like what it just, I like walked away and obviously, like I said before, like obviously we're not black, but like as Jews, there were some things where I was like, Oh, I can understand what you're saying when you're talking about like generations of feelings, like, Obviously, like, we weren't in slavery in the past few hundred years, but, like, we were in pogroms and we were in the Holocaust and, like, we have a heritage of thousands of years long of Jews actually being in slavery. And, like, we read keynote that have, like, siblings literally being forced to sleep with each other as slaves so that they breed pretty kids. Like, yeah, that's such a weird keynote. Um, <laughs> but like, and we, we have like this heritage, like it's not our not immediate called lamentations for nothing. <laughs> um, like we, we don't, we like don't have the same story, obviously, but like there's so much empathy, I think that I had while watching this movie, not because like I could understand how people feel, um, how black people in America feel, how black people in the world feel nowadays and how Africa because that was what this movie was about a lot of it. It was about essentially the rape of Africa um, and African culture and how like literally we just are like, oh, and this part is for this country and this part is for this country just because we could. Um, or white European and Americans could. Um, but I don't know. I felt like there was so much into it. Like I want to see it again partially so that it makes me go and do more research like, in the past, like, 48 hours, I've learned more about African dress than I've ever known in my entire life. Because that's just not something I've ever studied. But, like, I did want to know what certain things symbolized. And I did want to know about why they were doing certain things during the ritual, like, uh, battle. Like, why why certain things happened? Were there, like, breakaway tribes like um, the Jabadi? body um like were they like separate tribes still operating under the same kingdom and then like that one that one was harder to research and i didn't really get any real answer because like these kingdoms didn't really last um but it just like i felt not hope because i'm not a hopeful person but like i felt that this movie kind of spurred a conversation that we hadn't been having mm-hmm. and so many people like when was the last time you saw like people like rooting for like a bunch of women who literally kick ass and like nobody was saying, but like Wonder Woman had so much criticism and this one, I haven't really seen any criticism about the portrayals of people, more just how they were portrayed in the storyline. So like nobody's and they're wearing full body armor and they're wearing full body armor that, well, some of them wouldn't protect you, but that's because they weren't supposed to, they were like based on other things. But, um, yeah. But, like, they're covering, you know, most of their vital organs. Yeah. 
And, like, you know, like, how we were saying that, like, Shuri's, like, a fan favorite, like, T'Challa's little sister, the princess. And I thought it was so interesting because at the beginning of the movie, she's depicted as this person who's, like, totally, like, immersed in modernity. Like, she's you see her for the first time wearing, like, a t-shirt and sneakers. Like, and she is super modern. And, oh, that's also my favorite thing about this movie, aside from the women being warriors. Like, literally, it's, like, men can, like, fight and rule and win their rule, like, win, win their like rule reign by like fighting but like women are going to be the inventors and like the princess doesn't need to learn how to like do anything more because she's a genius but of course she's also a kick-ass fighter but um, i will say i sort of wish that she hadn't been a kick-ass fighter just because right like my type of character is like the person who fights with their mind but she was still a total badass and if they had had, yeah i mean if they had had her pilot the plane also I think I would have like appreciated I wouldn't have questioned it because like we already know that she's in like she's a cerebral person but I think that was kind of what they were showing like you can be like everything in Wakanda because they don't have the limitations that people do in the outside world Um, like I mean considering that like she never had any issues growing up aside from like being a princess like of course she could develop both her intelligence and her and her fighting skills. But wait, I want to go back to my point. So pretty much she's like the stand-in at the beginning of the movie for modernity. And then she came out at the end, like mixing both of those things. And I think that's why people are really like, uh, aside from the fact that she's amazing, but like people are into her because she kind of is this, the, the like the persona that stands in for what the movie is trying to portray Wakanda as, which is like a bit of the old and a bit of the new. The bridge. Yeah. And she's like the perfect bridge. More Sherry! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, and I I also think, you know, it's very... It's it's the type of movie that, like, makes you think on on a whole bunch of different angles. And, like, I... Every time I kind of, like, start thinking about one particular angle, like, oh, the female characters, and then I'm like, oh, but the male characters were handled really well, too. And T'Challa's kind of such an unusual sort of, you know, hero... And then I start thinking about Killmonger again. And then I start thinking about Barton Freeman's character and, like, what role he plays in the whole thing. And, like, I also do want to give, actually, serious props to Andy Serkis because um, uh, Claw was introduced in Age of Ultron, which is not a very good movie. And he was kind of, like, a bad part of a bad movie. Not his acting, but, like, the Killmonger stuff was, like, who are you and why? Um, And he's really good in this movie um really good being you mean horrible but you mean claw yeah yeah. well uh, claw was introduced yeah you just called him killmonger first yeah that's what i'm just like that's what i meant sorry um claw Claw was introduced in age of ultron i mean i disagree about age of ultron but that's not this topic right okay (laughs) (laughs) i have i have never felt so well rarely felt so bad for anyone that i was seeing a movie with as when uh, Jarvis turns into Vision during Age of Ultron, and I was sitting next to my mother and sister, especially my mother, and I just knew that they had no idea what was going on. Well, it was such a great moment for me because I was seeing it with my baby brother who is obsessed with stuff, so, like, I didn't know what was happening, and he was like, oh my god, it's Vision! Why didn't anyone tell me Vision was in this movie? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, because I have no idea who Vision is! It didn't matter because I had a baby brother to tell me all the things. Yeah, I I kind of sort of turned to them and was like, I'll I'll try and explain it later. (laughs) 
Uh, yeah, but no, it's, it's, it's a beautiful movie. And I think it's also like, I don't know, like it, it reaches dramatic highs that I haven't felt like I, unlike SM, I really enjoyed Civil War. I find, I, I still think it's a very solid movie and it does have real stuff to say. And there, there is, I, I don't think it's like a stupid movie. Um, but like compared to this, it's definitely, uh, it's, it's not on the same level. Like this is just on a, on a completely different emotional level. It's one of the first MCU movies that I've, I've really felt that the climax does not happen because we need a climax of the movie. It happens because the characters demand this climax and that happens to be the climax of the movie. I think that Thor for what, for, for me, you know, Thor Ragnarok, um, the particular climax where he, you know, lassos his inner power, you know, and uh, comes down in slow motion with the rock music playing like that, you know, resonated with me, you know, on a, an emotional level more than any particular moment in this movie. Seriously? But, you know, that's, How? that's all personal taste, you know, like there is absolutely no way to quantify one or the other, you know, um, and like I you know, I also, you know, I did come out, you know, while I was watching it, I did feel like, you know, if I were a black person in America, this would be reg registering on, you know, so many more levels and so many more planes. Like when I watched Luke Cage, I felt like that. I felt like, I wonder what this is like to watch um, as a black person. Um, and I just, you know, I lack those goggles to be able to see it through you know and so I felt like you know the whole time you know as much as you know I can enjoy and appreciate and think about it you know I did feel like you know there was always something that is just beyond my comprehension that you know is there but I can't see it because I just lack the um the life experience and the uh the perspective to be able to fully grasp it you know what I mean I agree with you on that part but I I will disagree, obviously, on the Thor being a better movie. I think I didn't say it different. was a better movie, although I do think it is a more fun movie. Well, I mean, yeah. I think it, it is a more fun movie. This one's a more serious yeah, movie. Yeah, so it's just like it depends what you want out of a movie. I don't. When I'm not you, comparing. They're apples and oranges. I'm not comparing. You, you know, in terms of better and worse. I'm just saying, like, they're. What do you, you know? Like when Michal mentioned emotional, you know, moments and emotional highs. Like, I don't think that you know like I just saw it today and like there weren't any moments that like you know really hit me on an emotional level hmm. um and you know that's just you know that's that's me you know <laughs> like there's you know and other people you know will respond differently and you know different things will resonate with different people um tomorrow well, I don't say? I don't know about a, an emotional level but I think uh, two things uh, first, the the fact that like the emotional highs weren't extremely high and the emotional lows weren't extremely low, uh, like in your face, that that was kind of realistic. Uh, like bad things happen, yeah, but like and good things happen, but like at the end of the day, like it's still life, and that's kind of how the movie was portraying things. Like this is their lives, and I kind of appreciated that. But also, when you were talking about Thor's, like, you know, like, his big climax, what what do you think was the climax of Black Panther? What moment? Uh, I'm not really the final sure. battle, <laughs> The final battle between T'Challa and Killmonger? The final battle, like, with, like, that whole thing with everybody fighting at once? Because, like, 
that just seemed like a, a battle to me. Like that didn't, I didn't I necessarily think like, that um, that was the climax to me. Yeah. I feel like there were multiple climaxes. It was kind of like, you know, I don't know, Le Havre deal. Um, <laughs> it's a draw distinction. Um, it was kind of like, um, at the end of Phantom Menace, when you're having like multiple different battles and, you know, multiple things happening simultaneously and they each have their own, you know, narrative arc and closure. Um, I, you know, I, I, I would say that honestly, it is the final confrontation between Killmonger and, and T'Challa, because I think that that is where, like, there is important stuff happening in the battle and, all of that stuff is significant. Like, don't get me wrong. It's, it's, it's important. And I think there's also a lot to be said about the fact that Martin Freeman is like shooting down Wakandans, you know, at the same time, which is obviously he's doing that for the good of Wakanda as, as he's been told to do. Were those, were those manned drones though? Like I felt like those were, were. yeah, they were, I think. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's intense. Um, but I think that, Ultimately, like the, the the main conflict in the movie, um, and this is this is why that my favorite scene was um, was T'Challa and and uh, Killmonger's fight because I was like I was I mean I I had a sense of how it would go just given the situation, but the entire time that Killmonger was there, you're kind of like things things will just go back to normal. <laughs> like it'll be fine. It'll be okay. And the movie's called Black Panther and you know, I didn't really think that he was dead when he was thrown over the side, but spoilers was, <laughs> right by this point. If you yes. don't see a body, they're never dead in anything. Right. Um <laughs> it it was it was that intense to me. It was it was that um that was the kind of high point before then, so the resulting kind of the parallel climax uh, to me would have had to have been the um, the final fight between the two of them. Yeah, I mean, the fight between the two of them, I guess I, you know, I, I enjoyed it. Um, and then their final, you know, conversation, I thought was, you know, more compelling than that. Because, like, the final battle, I wasn't really, you know, because, like, they didn't exactly exploit, you know, a particular weakness that the guy had, that, that Killmonger had in, you know, in his fighting you know, he just sort of, you know, outthought him in one particular moment and, you know, and got the upper hand and took advantage of that, you know, for a second. But it wasn't like it wasn't like it was foreshadowed or there was, you know, a particular weakness that he was. It was foreshadowed. It was foreshadowed. Yeah. I didn't when they were really talking about the maglet trains. Yeah, no, no, no. But, yeah, no, I'm. Like, but once they, they turned on, you know, the, the vibranium to turn off the suits. Yeah. But like that, that didn't, you know, that didn't immediately yield a victory, you know, like Mm -hmm. the final victory was him, you know, getting that spear, you know, away from him, you know, and stabbing him, um, in that final second. And I didn't feel like there was any, you know, real reason why that maneuver worked over any other maneuver. It's so interesting to me that we have such different perspectives because I think that that battle was kind of showing what we had already seen between the two of them was that they're they're pretty evenly paired, but there's there's like differences between the two of them that makes one of them better than the other, like in different things. And Killmonger is obviously more physical, but T'Challa is obviously more like intellectually driven. So even though he's, they're both really good warriors, uh, uh, Killmonger obvious like 
beat him during the traditional battle, but T'Challa, who is this king who is trying to move his kingdom forward, um, is able to beat him like by pretty much hacking technology to work for his advantage. But because he is still not the same physically level, but he's almost there and he is obviously very fit and like they're on even playing ground that he like outthought him essentially. And like the whole thing is so interesting because it's still in technically it's in the middle of their like uh, traditional battle still. So like if he didn't defeat him, then like he would have to give up his like, I mean, aside from the fact that he would die, but like (laughs) there was still a sense of like he needed to do it. And it was so interesting to me that he did it with the spear because the spear is a traditional weapon where, like, if he had found a gun, it wouldn't have been. As, yeah. as Okoye says, guns are so... Primitive. Uh, primitive. <laughs> I think it's also important to note, and I just thought of this now as you were saying that, Samar, that I assumed uh, when Shuri made that remark about the train turning off the vibranium mm. or whatever it was, um, that, that that would be how he would defeat him, but, like... You know, it would be like, aha, you know, you didn't realize your suit is off, you know. But yeah, that's but it not wasn't. what happens. Like, they, they fight for quite a long time with both of them knowing that these are the stakes now until uh, Chitala manages to, to pull that move, which I think is better, honestly. Because, I, I mean, the whole, the whole thing is very mindful, you know. Like, everybody in the movie is acting mindfully. And that, you know, even... Uh, even the way the villain chooses to meet his final conclusion um, is his end of the plot. Yes, <laughs> um, it is. It is very conscious, you know, and 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 deliberate, and very carefully written. I did wish that there was a scene where um, I felt like there were many places where I just wanted him i just wanted t'challa to say to killmonger you know to to apologize to his face because Same. like he says in his you know in his scene you know where he goes to the ancestral plane and he sees his father he yells at him that you know you made a mistake you were wrong you did this wrong bad thing you know and like the person who most needs to hear you were wronged i am sorry um what happened to you you deserved better um, is Killmonger, and he didn't get it. Um, and I wonder if that was written in there, and if it was a deleted scene, or if it was just, you know, if it was cut ultimately because people felt like, you know, it would be, you know, over the top, it was too much, you know, and they wanted to keep it more subtle. Um, but I, you know, I kept wanting him to say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but he never did. Um, and I thought that was an interesting choice by the writers. Isn't that like kind of kind of so emblematic of like what what you do when people have been wronged by things that you are impacted by but that aren't your fault? You know, isn't that kind of like like well, modern race relations in America? You know, it's sort of like I mean, now that you say it, I'm like thinking like, well, doesn't that make T'Challa essentially the stand-in for someone privileged? Like It does a little bit. It, yes, absolutely. I, I mean like I mean, I felt like the whole movie is about, you know, how the Wakandans, well, part of the whole movie is about how the Wakandans choose to use their privilege and how they exercise it. 
Well, that's definitely uh, Nakia's like fight with T'Challa is that like we should be doing more because we're privileged, and then you have a Koya. Like I was reading and this really interesting. That's also Killmonger's you know ideals, yeah. and I feel like if Killmonger hadn't come you know and challenged their you know their ideals and exposed them to to his ideology, then the ending would never have happened, and that you know they would have continued to be isolationists rather than trying to um, be more. Right. I, yeah, I definitely agree with you on that front. And I think there was this interesting, did I tweet it? I don't know if I tweeted it or not. There was like a listing of who every character is a stand in for like people in the world, not like individuals or like even races, but like, this is like the, the pre, yeah. Like the priest is representative of guilt um, due to privilege and like representative of guilt due to action based to essentially give people privileged um, and like how Okoye is a stand-in for someone who is so dedicated and so loyal to their country that like nothing else essentially matters because they believe that the country is the most important thing. And you have someone like uh, Nakia who thinks that people are the more important thing rather than like the country. And it's just like this very interesting like guide to who each of the characters their roles in the movie and what each of them is essentially a metaphor for. And I really like that. I'm going to see if I can find it. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of, you know, room for that kind of analysis because there is so much meat um, on the bones of the story. Yeah. It's a good movie. Yeah. Oh, here, I found it. Um, so it was like the disconnection of the diaspora is Killmonger, national pride is Okoye, female leadership is Nakia, colonization and theft is Claw, obviously, innovation is Shuri, guilt is Zuri, the priest, unity is M'Baku, who like, you can overcome anything because you still have something in common, and corruption of leaders not distributing wealth was the, was Ninjobu, the, the brother of the prince. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was interesting. I also thought it was interesting that they didn't include T'Challa. In there yeah what is he <laughs> well i mean is i guess he's a little bit of everything and he's kind of he's kind of us like he's kind of the the people who see it and are privileged enough that they can kind of ignore it because that's what he does doesn't he for the first part of the movie he's like no we still have to keep wakanda this way but then as he learns different things he and like he sees Kelmonger's point of view he decides that no that shouldn't be the case mm-hmm, mm-hmm. One, uh, one last thing I want to say um, is that uh, Tamar mentioned this when we got out of the movie, and I, I had the same thought, and I'm curious if SM did too, um, that as much as I love this movie, and I really, really, really do, um, felt kind of like Lion King when he was talking to his dad. I, I mean, I've been saying since like the trailer that that like tree imagery just looks like the, the Rafiki's tree. like, And I get that it's like, very much like Africa and like a very iconic Africa image, but like between the Kings and the princes and the uncles, I was just like, uh, is someone going to start to like sing? Um, but uh, yeah, Lion King. The only only time I got a Lion King vibe. Remember who you are. Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) The only time I got a Lion King vibe actually was when they first, um, they go through the shield um, or the cloak or whatever it is that you know hides Wakanda from the world and you know then they're going over the whole landscape and everything I was like I felt like those were like the opening shots of the Lion King and I was like I was expecting you know Circle of Life to start playing 
Um, but it didn't. Yeah. Well, there's always the sequel. I'm sure they'll make another one, so. (laughs) I forgot to mention this before, and then I guess we can go. This was just, like, my crazy brain working. Black Panther is a title, right? So, at a certain point, I was wondering if, like, are they gonna kill T'Challa and Killmonger? Yeah, I was was sort of wondering that. I didn't think they would, Hang on, hang on. Let let Tamar finish her thought. But I was, then I was like, oh, but, like, the new Avengers movie has T'Challa in it, so... That's definitely T'Challa. <laughs> like, he's not T'Challa. <laughs> I was like, that's stupid. You shouldn't have released that trailer yet. But I will say, though, I, I don't think we should m- rule that idea out in the very near future for other characters. Uh, Captain America. Like Captain America, Iron Man. I, I think that there's there's plenty of opportunity for other younger characters. Cough, Jerry, be Iron Man, please, um, to become <laughs> <laughs> to become the... Uh, that's how it works in the comics. It, it, well, she becomes Black Panther. I don't know. Apparently, it's complicated. It's always complicated when it comes. Sure, to because Panthers. what? Yeah, and I guess that was what that that was a reference to when she uh, says that she's going to take uh, the flower. And I was like, yes, yes, yes. What flower? <laughs> like the the panther flower when they think that that uh, T'Challa is dead. Do, did they did they get have anything left though of that flower? Like, is so, this the last Black Panther? Right, that's I, something else. I was else wondering too. that. But I think it was more, um, like, they might be able to grow it again. I don't know. Sure, if they want to, they can always yeah. find a way yeah. to get back. It's common. But the question is, do they want to? Did they want to make that, like, uh, did, was that part of their, you know, story arc, is that this he is now the last Black Panther? I mean, maybe, but I think part of it also is just that, like, they do have to have Killmonger do some, they they do have to have him have some kind of negative impact on Wakanda as well as, you know, him being a, a murderer, <laughs> you know, because well, I think otherwise it would just be like, well, I guess this works, you know. Like, he was trying to, you know, shake up and bust up their way of life, and, like, this was the most effective way to do it. Yeah, but I mean, it's pretty clear. Like when he starts to strangle an old woman, it's it's pretty clear that that's a really bad thing to do. Yes. All right. Any any last thoughts? No, I think that's pretty much it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of. I was about to say Black Panther of Nice Jewish Fangirls. <laughs> this, this Black Panther episode of Nice Jewish Fangirls. Um, Want to reiterate, definitely go check out um, the uh, thoughts, feelings, and writings of um, commentators of color, which are plentiful on the internet. Um, and uh, Tamar, where can people find you on the internet? People can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Tamar Writes, and you can find my articles on Billboard and Forbes.com. Awesome. SM. You can find me on Facebook and um, on my Amazon author page. And you can find me on Twitter at Ink As Rainy. You can find my writing at Hypable.com. Of course, you can always follow uh, JewishCoffeeHouse.com. You can find them on Facebook website twitter all the normal places uh and us as well nice jewish fangirls are on twitter and facebook you can email us as well at nice jewish fangirls at gmail.com so uh that is pretty much all for now oh yes of course leave us a five star review 
and rating on <laughs> iTunes. We really, really appreciate it. Um, we did reach high 18 reviews, so that's that's pretty cool. Ooh, yeah, yeah. And we Am I allowed to review the show? I mean, oh. listen, I'm not going to stop you, but I will also be like, <laughs> someone likes... Oh, no, it was just SM. Oh, well. <laughs> anyway, thank you for listening, and uh, what what is it we say again? Live, Live long, long and, and prosper. prosper. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha